0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles.
1: We want to welcome you back again to the program. We have just been having an exciting time with my son the last several weeks uh, on the program, just excited talking about the book of Joshua and the crossing over. And we're comparing that between crossing Uh, Out of the old covenant into the new covenant, we started out by sharing uh, Moses, my servant is dead. Joshua chapter 1 says, And now, arise, God began to raise up Joshua. Mm -hmm. It is a powerful picture of moving from law to grace. Mm -hmm. Moses, my servant, old covenant, Joshua is the Hebrew name, uh, equivalent, Hebrew equivalent of Yeshua, which is the name of Jesus. So Moses brought him out with a rod. Jesus is bringing us in with a mercy seat. And uh, these have been powerful discussions. Let me just say quickly, if you've missed any of them, you can go back and watch them on our YouTube channel uh, and they are archived there so that you can watch them on demand. Also, they are available as a podcast or an RSS feed for your Android device. The easiest way to find that channel is to go and uh, on the website right here at linhouse.com, And there's a link in the upper right-hand corner to take you directly to that. But we were talking about how uh, that 40-year uh, wilderness journey coming out of Egypt was like coming out of law and legalism. Mm-hmm. And then for 40 years coming into the promised land, mm-hmm. which in Hebrews 4, again, is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's good to have you on the program again, Jeremy. Let me just set the stage a little, because we we were talking about some of this in the last one, and really, it really is impossible to just review every time. Mm-hmm. So please go back and watch that if you haven't seen it already. But we were talking about how God literally shut the waters of the Red Sea off so they couldn't go back. And then he shut the Jordan off so they couldn't go back. God is making it difficult to go back. How they had a desire. We ended the program last week by talking about how they had a taste for garlic, leeks, and watermelon, Egyptian diets. People still have a taste for bondage, Jeremy. They mm-hmm. want to go back. They want somebody to tell them what to do, how much to give. They don't want to learn how to be led by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they don't, want to live how to li- they don't want to learn how to live in a promised land. They've lived in the wilderness so long or in slavery that they don't know how to live in freedom in a house they didn't build or vineyards they didn't plant, yep. which speaks to me of entering into, you know, the fullness of what somebody else accomplished for you, which is what Jesus did in his finished work. But then, you know, we showed how that, you know, that Egypt was a type of religion. And I showed you that from Revelation 11, verse eight, where it says our Lord was crucified in the city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. He was not crucified in physical Egypt, but he was crucified in spiritual Egypt. And he was giving them, we talked about in the last program, how God was giving them every opportunity to come out of that bondage of slavery and servitude of an old covenant and into a new covenant, messianic kingdom of Christ and the promised land of rest, and how, uh, once again, another generation was about to miss their promised land. You know, it's amazing to me that there was two tribes, two and a half tribes that that decided, listen, we'll help you get your inheritance, but we ain't going in. We're going to stay on this side of the Jordan. There's a lot of people that don't want to give up, you know, that old way of thinking. And especially as I look back at this first century, Paul writes, I think it was Paul, or at least influenced by Paul, it's, that's, that's irrelevant at this point, writes the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is written 30-some years into, after Jesus gives the prophecy that this generation, 40 years, will not pass until everything I told you comes to pass. And he's warning them not to go back to Judaism. Yep. Let me just show you these verses, and then I'm going to throw it back over to you. And I know we're going to talk about some things about circumcision of the heart and so forth says, therefore, J- Hebrews 6, 1, therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ or about Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. That ought to be the biggest altar call we ever get, is people who are repenting from dead works yep. and faith towards God and getting faith, in other words, they're moving away from the elementary things. I believe that this scripture could literally be talking about the elementary things of the Old Covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, works, uh, uh, dead works in faith towards God of the doctrines of baptisms. And I, I once I thought, well, he's talking about water, but he uses plural here, baptisms. Mm-hmm. I think he's talking about the, the divers washings and the old covenant rituals where they would wash their sacrifices and the laying on of hands as when they would lay their hands on the head of the animals mm-hmm. and cut their throats and sacrifice them. And of the resurrection of the dead. And he says in eternal judgment, or the the judgment of Aeonian judgment, and this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened have tasted of the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the coming age. In other words, they're leaving the old covenant age and they've tasted the new covenant and the powers of the age to come. If they will fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again themselves the Son of God, and uh, uh, and and, and I, I lost my place there. <laughs> since they crucify again themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame, they're saying, if, in other words, he's talking, to, uh, and, he, and he goes on to say, for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God, but if it bears thorns and briars, it's rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned jesus prophesied about the wheat and the tares the Mm -hmm. children of the kingdom and the children of the of the of the wicked one and he said that the harvest is the end of the age and the angels are the reapers and he would gather the tares the briars in bundles and burn them with fire Mm -hmm. that's not the end of this age that was the end of the old covenant age in a.d 70 when all of the, the those they were burnt literally i mean he was talking about a fire that came that if in other words if they reject this new covenant And they walk back over the blood of Jesus once they've tasted the Holy Spirit, the age to come. And then if you want to go back, he's saying, hey, your end is to be burned. He reiterates that again in the 10th chapter here, Jeremy. Right after, again, he introduces the new covenant, telling them about the law, how to shadow good things to come. But those offerings did not perfect anybody. But he goes on to tell them, as you go down through 10, that you know, that that we've been perfected forever on the basis of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ once for all and a way has been made into the most holy place and don't go back to it. Uh, you know, we've been sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus uh, and we've been perfected forever. And then he again stops again and reiterates this whole point about don't go back. He's writing to Hebrews. How do I know that? It's the title of the book. It says in verse 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he's consecrated through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Let us draw near with a true heart full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another to provoke love to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as a manner of summits. And then he goes on to say, for if we sin willfully, in other words, sin here means to miss the mark. The mark is the new covenant. Mm-hmm. But if we, and he's talking about entering in, perfected forever, yada, yada. And then he goes on to say, if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for expectant of judgment. and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on his testimony of two or three witnesses, how much worse punishment do you suppose that he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common and unholy thing, an insult of the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Now, I'm, I'm, I could go on down through this, but the point that he's making here is if you go back to Judaism, they're 30 some years into the new covenant. They've tasted the good word of God. They've tasted the Holy Spirit. They're being persecuted, killed in the arenas. People are falling away. In response to what he said in Matthew 24, the love of many will wax cold and they'll you know begin to... But in other words, but what he says is, if you go back to this, that's why the, we, we talked about this in the last segment, the temple was destroyed was because they would have gone back. Because yep. there's people right now who are trying to become Torah groups, and they're trying to go back to Judaism. They're trying to become, Jesus didn't call us to become Jewish. He called us to become Christian. And he says, if you go back, then this tares this, this that are to be burnt, this fire that's about to come, this vengeance that's about to become, happened in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed, the city was burnt with fire, Jerusalem's like a plow field in fulfillment of what Jesus said in Luke 21, that these are the days of vengeance that all things which were spoken might be fulfilled. And so, you know, that's why he's he's blocking it from going back. And so something has to shift in the hearts of people to not to want to go back. And I know I've taken a long time to, in this one to to yeah. set this up, but go ahead and jump in there.
0: You know, when you think about, too, like people say, well, you know, because they hear us talk about the transition from law to grace, and people will say, well, then, you know, why, why was we given the law to begin with? Yeah. Uh, you, whenever the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God takes them to the mountain of Sinai. And he says, I want the people to come up into the mountain and I'm going to, where my presence is, the presence of God was resting on the mountain. He says, I want the people to come up into the mountain. He said, I'm going to make them a nation of kings and priests and they're going to be my people and I'm going to be to them, their God. And I'm, you know, and he's talking about, I'm going to bring them up. To this, he wanted to bring the whole people up to the mountain. He was going to pull his. He was going to put his glory upon them, basically, yeah. and his mark upon them, and 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 just. But they they said to Moses. They said to Moses, "We're afraid of this God. Therefore, we do not want to go up. You go up for us. Yeah, and whatever he says, we will do. Yeah, and so because they refused to go up into that mountain, God would be able to put his his spirit upon them on that mountain. Moses went up by himself and received the law, Uh, and and so Moses brings the law down, and before he gets down off the mountain with the law, the words that they said, whatever he says will do, they had already broke every one of them, and so you know. And then Moses had to go back up into the mountain. They had to be there. Had to be sacrificed for these people that were going to constantly mess up because they they can't do what he said because without the spirit of God being in them. That's why on the day of Pentecost, three thousand people were killed that day,
1: and that was fifty days after they came out of Egypt by the blood of a, of a physical lamb. Go yeah, ahead.
0: and the new covenant, fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus, they're in an upper room. Yep. But this time, God's betting His Spirit upon them, not giving them a law. He's not giving them a a law on stones or words on rocks. He's giving them His Spirit, pouring out His Spirit upon them in an upper room. And that day, 3,000 people are added to the church. They're not killed. That's the letter kill. And I've heard you say that. I've just, you know, I've heard you say this stuff because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You know, so this is the transition. This is why, you know, so if somebody was to ask, well, why was we even given the law? Why was we given the old covenant in the first place? It was because of their unbelief. They refused to go up into the mountain and receive what God wanted to give them. That's why in the new covenant, we are in an upper room and God pours out his spirit upon us. That's why, you know, Jesus, I love, and it's so interesting to me that when Jesus, the night he is going to be betrayed, and he's sitting with his disciples and he's eating, he's giving them the blood and or giving them the bread and the wine. And he says to them, he says, Man, he says to his disciples, and we're getting, again, we're not getting where we want to, but he says to his disciples, He says, Man, there's so many things I want to tell you. And I could just hear his heart to it. You just look at those men he loves and says, There's so many things. I just want to tell you. I want to tell you it all. I want to just give you every bit of this, what I know, and what's about to happen. Because, they, you know, they're sitting there. They, he's told them plainly a couple of times, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of evil men. They're going to crucify me, but I'm going to raise up. In three. He's told them this plainly. But while it's happening, they still don't know. You know, <laughs> they're, they're looking at when he's dying, and he's, yep. you know, he's been beaten, and all the stuff that he's going to do. They're scattering. They're afraid. Yep. They're, they're, you know, they're thinking this is the end. I mean, they're out. They're going back to their fishing boats. They're going to all their stuff. But Jesus, the night before he's about to be crucified, he's telling there's so many things I want to tell you guys. And I want. To, I really want to make it clear to you. But you know what? You just can't bear them yet because the spirit, the spirit hasn't come. Yeah. He said, but "Let me tell you." And, and here's really what he wants to tell them. He said, "I really want to tell you." That you've been sitting at this temple, taking sacrifices to it, waiting for the presence of God to rest in that in that most holy yep. place, and 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 reverencing that temple and reverencing this old covenant—that's a letter that kills and destroys. There's so many things I want to tell you, and he said, "What I really want to tell you is about what's about to happen with the Holy Spirit and why." It's so important that this death happened, and this, this, you know, what I'm about to give you is my presence. And he's saying, you know, and we've heard the story, and and and, you know, where he goes, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. And we hear that, and we, I've heard people take that, and they're talking about when we get to heaven, there's a mansion in heaven. But what he's saying is that same word is the word abode. Yeah. And so he goes because he's going to go on, and he's going to say, you know what? um, In my Father's house are many many abodes, many mansions. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. And he said, you know, me and my Father, we are one. When you've seen me, no man has seen the Father at any time except for the Son. But if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because me and my Father are one. He's telling them this because what he's saying to them then, but here's the transition I'm really wanting to get you to, is that when the Spirit comes, He's going to lead and guide you into all truth. And he's saying, Father, make them one, even as we are one. That when me, He said, where I go, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you might be also. And that he's saying that me and my father then, he'll say this, me and my father, we're going to come and we're going to take up our abode, our mansion in you. So the whole thing that he's telling you, like it he goes through several chapters of John, and we don't realize it's all one conversation. Yeah, yeah. But he And it's so exciting because it's just I could just hear his heart saying, man, There's so many things I want to tell you guys. But but because your mindset is that of a Judaistic mindset, you only know. And it it reminds me of these children of Israel that have come out of this, this, this wilderness. All they've heard, again, is the stories of Egypt, how God delivered them across the Red Sea. They didn't see that. This generation that crosses this Jordan, they didn't experience that. They never lived in Egypt. They'd never lived in houses, even if they were slave houses. They didn't cross the Red Sea. They didn't see that. They were born in this wilderness. All they've ever known is living inside of a tent, eating the bread that fell from heaven, looking at this, ta- facing you know, waiting for the, 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 the cloud to move and following after it, packing up the tabernacle, following after the tabernacle, setting up our camp, facing this tabernacle... They've only, that's all they've ever known is this ritual thing that they've just kept going for 40 years in this wilderness because there was a whole generation of unbelievers that had to die. And I can imagine it just as John and, and Peter and all the disciples that are sitting in that room with Jesus the night before his betrayal, and he's saying to them, guys, there's so many things I want to tell you, but you've lived in this wilderness so long that you don't you wouldn't understand the transition I'm about to tell you. If Joshua would have told I'm sure Joshua had told these this this generation about what he saw 40 years ago yeah, when he spied exactly out the lamb. Yeah. Him and him and Caleb probably had told them, guys, you don't understand. You don't understand how many walled cities there are. I mean just cities and houses and giant houses. And these are the things that God promised that I'm going to bring you and he said he probably was telling them there was a time when I brought back a fruit from the land, a cluster of grapes. It took two of us to carry. But they even if he told them the story, they had only lived in the wilderness. They they don't remember Egypt. They don't have they don't, ha, they don't have a point of reference. They're just going, that sounds like an amazing story. It sounds great, but I don't understand as they just gathered yeah, up yeah. the manna every day and did their rituals and and did their stuff. And I can imagine Jesus on the same day in that upper room telling or in that 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 night before he's I want to tell you so much. I want to tell you what this promised land is really going to look like because it looks like nothing that you've experienced so far. It doesn't look like this temple. It doesn't look like your rituals. It doesn't look like taking your lamb up to Passover. It doesn't look like just even sitting here and and eating our Passover and and drinking our wine and preparing for the the next feast we got to go through and the next feast and the next feast, and then we'll start over again the next year and do the same things ritualistically. In remembrance of what was in Egypt, And in hopes of what's to come, there's so many things I want to tell you guys, but you can't bear them yet. But let me just tell you just a little bit about the grapes of this land. that I saw that me and my father, there's a mansion. And if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. But let me tell you, I'm about to go prepare a place for you. That me and my father, the mansion that I'm preparing is you. Yeah. You're the abode. You're the you're the you're the temple that I'm preparing. I'm not looking to live in this this building made by stone and by precious jewels and precious uh, metals. I'm looking to take up our abode in you. We want to make you one, even as we are one. No man has seen the Father at any time except the Son, and He says, "But but here's the thing: if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And from this point on, after this all takes place, when they see you, they're going to see the Father as well." You're going this, because we're coming to take up. This is the power of the Holy Jesus. I you don't understand it because he says you can't understand this because the, the Spirit hasn't come upon you. But when the Spirit of Truth comes, he's going to lead, and guide you into all truth. He's going to he's going to testify to me. He's going to reveal this stuff to me. You're not even going to have to take into account what you're going to say when you're brought up into councils and when you're made to give a testimony of this. He said it's just going to come out of you like is because it's real now. It's not something you're just read out of the Torah. It's not something that you've heard read out of the book of the law. Now this word that's made flesh, it's in you, and it's going to come out of you like a river of life. And when you begin to speak, it's going to cause life to those you begin to speak to. And that's exactly what happened to them after the day of Pentecost. That's why there was 3,000 people souls added to the church, is because all of a sudden this wasn't just words of a Torah of yeah. a book they've heard read and recited and memorized and recited and recited. And it wasn't just another ritual of of like you said, diverse washings and laying hands on the the the, the lamb sacrifice. and animal sacrifices. It wasn't taking just taking their lamb up and eating their Passover and waiting for, you know, the next thing now there was an experience behind this thing. You know, when they had the the day of Pentecost years past had just been another ritual that we do after 50 days after Pentecost after uh After Passover, then we do this this feast. Then after that, we're gonna do the Feast of Tabernacle. And then we're gonna do, you know, and it then we'll start over the next year and redo it again. And and it never means anything to them. But this day, when the Spirit of Truth comes, that Jesus was telling about this on the on the day before he was uh, on the day he was going to be betrayed, they received the power of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden everything changes, and they start speaking with words of life. They they were hiding in an upper room for fear. But when that spirit came upon them, they couldn't hide no longer. They had a, their light; their light couldn't be hid under a bushel no more. They began to go out in the streets and begin to proclaim what Christ has done. And even when they were brought in before the councils and things and about to be beat, they just they couldn't help themselves. They knew that they were going to get beat for this, for testifying about Jesus. But there's just something inside of them that there was a, there was that the presence of God that used to be in that temple was now resting on them, and that couldn't be hid any longer, and they began to testify of who Christ is and it began to change it began to be a fire you know he says i came I'm going to test the one that John says the one that I baptize you with water, but the one that comes after me he's going to baptize you with the Holy ghost and the fire
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that fire that 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 baptism they received in that upper room became a fire that began to it, it began to just sweep through the, the the ears of people that began to hear it and had an ear to hear. Even those of the the Gentiles that began to hear. I think it's so funny. One of my favorite stories is even the house of Cornelius. Is that here's Peter. They're not even supposed to go into a Gentile's house. They're not supposed to eat with them, anything. That was for a Jewish boy, good boy, that was unclean. But he hears, the, you know, he reckon, Peter recognizes God is telling him to go to the house of Cornelius whenever you know, he shows him the vision, and he says, "You know, Lord, you know, rise, k- Peter, kill and eat." He says, "Lord, no unclean thing has touched my lips." And he says, "Don't call unclean what I've called clean." When the visitors from the house of Cornelius show up in, after that vision, he knows this is what he's supposed to do, so he goes. But he's not having no expectation of anything; he's just going, and he's like, "I'm just being obedient to what I feel the Spirit says," and he doesn't even know what to do. He's not trying to—he's not trying to convert them. He's not trying to get them saved. He's not trying to do anything. He's just like, "Well, I'll just tell you." You know, Cornelius goes. Well, just tell us about this Jesus because you lived with him. You were around him. And so Peter starts talking about Jesus in the middle of talking about Jesus, just how good he was and what they saw. The Holy Spirit falls on the house of Cornelius and they start speaking in tongues and they start having the encounter of the Holy Spirit that Peter and them had in the upper room. These guys were Gentiles and it so catches Peter off guard because he doesn't, he's like, these guys haven't, they haven't done any of the divers washings, they haven't even been baptized. You know, with water like we were, they weren't, you know, they've never been to the temple. It's unholy for them to even step foot into the temple. They can't do it. And yet here they are, I'm teaching Jesus, and they get the Holy Spirit. Then he has to go back and he has to explain that to the rest of the gang. That's like, what do you mean they got the Holy Spirit? Well, did you baptize them? Did they, were they circumcised? Were they, did they do, he's like, no, I'm telling you guys, I didn't do anything, but start talking about Jesus. And he said, the Holy God came and took up his abode. And When you talk about the Holy Spirit, we've dumbed that down to speaking in tongues and, and the power that we had, but what literally what was befuddling to them and what had really caught them off guard is that God had just taken up his abode inside of a Gentile that they deemed unholy. Yep. But God saw, he, that's why when you read scriptures, it says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That word condemnation is a building term. If a building is condemned, it means unfit to live in. If, it's, if there's no condemnation to it, that means it's fit to live in. That's why in Christ, He, he comes and lives inside of us, because there's no condemnation. You're not condemned. You're not a condemned building. You're not something unfit to live in. The Holy Spirit, God, has come to take up His abode inside of you and take up residence there and live in you so that when you see, no man has seen the Father at any time except for the Son. But if you've seen those that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you've seen the Father, because you and your Father, they're one. Christ has come and taken up his abode and lived his house. That's why we are, Paul would say, I was crucified with him. I died with him. I was buried with him in baptism. But I'm also quickened. I'm made alive. I'm raised and I'm seated with him in heavenly places. The heavenly places are not someplace afar off up here someday when we die. The heavenly places are where the abode of God is, where his exactly. presence is. So if he's taken up his abode inside of you, the reason why you're seated with him in heavenly places is because he's seated right here inside of you. Know you not, you are the temple. Of the Holy Ghost. That's the when Jesus. So when Jesus is sitting there that night nice says, man, guys, there's so many things I want to tell you, but you couldn't bear them yet. But I can't, but when this happens and the Holy Spirit comes, man, you're gonna, he's gonna testify and you're gonna understand what really took place. And that's why when Pete when the when the presence of God fell on the house of Cornelius, it was so befuddling and so uh just caught them off guard because they're like, These are Gentiles, these are people we would have considered unclean, unworthy, unfit but God just took up his abode inside of them and something has changed. I, now, I can see the presence of God inside of them and I, just, I can just hear Jesus just laughing and going, your boy, Peter, you have no idea what I'm about to do. Yeah. You know There's so many things I want to tell you, but you wouldn't bear them yet. But yeah. when he, the spirit of truth comes, he's going to lead and guide you. That temple there is not your point of reference. I'm about to lead, and he's taking these children into a promised land that they have no point of reference for and bringing them into a place that's flowing with milk and honey.
1: That's powerful stuff, man. And you know, think about it's fulfilling what God said to Abraham, and you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. So here's the inclusion of the Gentiles, which was the mystery that was hidden for ages, which was Christ in among even the Gentiles. And it was also the fulfillment of what he said that the vineyard, where you talked about earlier in one of the programs, the vineyard be taken from them and given to a nation producing the fruit. That includes both Jew and Gentile, but it includes it in Christ. And it brings it all the way back around in a circle. You know, I did a teaching back some time ago that, when we talk about why the law came on the scene, the scripture says in Galatians 3, the law was added because of a transgression. I believe that transgression was not just Adam's transgression, but I believe it was the transgression that took place at the foot of Mount Sinai, when God wanted to make a nation of priests out of all of them, call them all up the mountain and give yep. them a relationship with God, and they forfeited a the personal relationship with God for a mediator system and then God gave him rules because if you don't have a relationship you got to have rules. Yep. But here in Acts chapter 2 God's restoring the relationship. He's calling them back up the mountain and then Peter who's also the key voice there speaks in his one of his epistles and he says he says that you are a chosen generation you 're a royal priesthood, and God restores back the priesthood of the believer, and says now everybody has access to me i 'm their god i 'm living in them i'm the, you 're the new temple you 're the new actually the new heaven and the new earth, and all mm-hmm. the stuff that 's there we 're out of time again. I just <laughs> want to take a minute to ask you if you can, to help us with the cost of television and ministry that we're doing right now. Our 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 time traveling has been limited, so we do need your help to be able to uh, take the gospel around the world. If you'd like to give, you can scan that code that's on the screen with your phone, and it will give you a direct link of how to give. Or you can go to linhouse.com and there's a place where you can give via credit card paypal or uh, you can do it that way you could also call the number on the screen and someone will take your call if you don't get an answer leave a message we'll call you back or you can write a check and money order and send it to the address that'll come on the screen but do it today we need your help god bless you thanks for joining us i am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled the great i am